Hey, thanks for listening to the Afresh Church Message Podcast. Our hope is that today's message is encouraging and uplifting and ultimately will draw you into a closer and deeper relationship with Jesus starting right now. We're going to look at an interaction in the Bible between a man named Elijah and, uh, and this woman who is unnamed from Zarephath. And we're going to turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. First King, I want to get this on the other side of this hump. I don't know why. I feel more comfortable with it here. First Kings, I don't know what, First Kings chapter 17 uh, and uh, page 213 in your fresh Bibles. First uh, Kings chapter 17. We're going to look at this, this uh, prophet Elijah today. I, I like Elijah. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Uh, so I, oftentimes I'll, I'll preach about him quite often. I hope you're not sick of him yet. But Elijah's one of my favorites because um, he, he's just so bold and he just really appears out of nowhere. Actually, in, in chapter 17 is where we're going to read. This is where he first uh, is, is introduced in the Bible. And it's just like, hey, here's Elijah. There it is. And it's just like, wow, no introduction needed. It's just his, his actions speak for him. So uh, Elijah's really cool. He's this, he's this prophet in, in, um, in the Old Testament. And, and, and the job of prophets in the Old Testament is, is that God used them to speak to the kings of Israel, the kings of Israel and Judah, and to correct them, to get them back on the right path. Because when, when you're under leadership that is, that is not doing so hot, the rest of the nation's not doing so hot either. And so God is, is appointing these uh, prophets to go to the kings to, to, to offer them repentance, first and foremost. He, God wants them to turn their story around. A lot of the time, these kings are a little stubborn. So uh, you, you just read through First Kings and Second Kings. It's like, you know, this king was good. This king was bad. This king was bad. This king was bad. This king was good. This king was bad. Here's how they died. <laughs> So it's just, that's pretty much what it is. But you'll see um, all, through, all through Kings and then the rest of the, um, you know, the, rest of the Old Testament, the prophets and stuff, uh, how, they're, how, they're, how God is using them and speaking to them and, and showing them uh, the error in their ways. And it's not to shame them or to punish them, but it's to, it's to correct them. It's to bring them back to the heart of the Father. Bring them back to the heart of the Father. Bring them back and, and remind them that they are children of Israel. They are children of the Most High. So, so this is the job of the prophets. And, and so um, Elijah has the job to go to this King Ahab, King Ahab, one of the worst kings uh, written about. And he, he was terrible. And uh, him and his wife Jezebel were, were just awful, awful people. Um, not too bad for repentance, but you know, it's, it's, they were eh, not good. <laughs> and so this, the, Elijah's job is to go to, go to Ahab and to, um, and to, to tell him, he's going to tell him here, it, it's not going to rain. It's not going to rain for a while. It's not going to rain for a while. And uh, anytime that that happens under your leadership, a lot of people look to you like you're, you're doing something wrong because why would God shut up the heavens from the rain if, if, if you're appointed and you're in the place and you're supposed to be leading it? So anyway, so this, this is the, the, the judgment that, that comes on King Ahab in hopes that he'll uh, turn himself around, turn his kingdom around, and ultimately uh, turn himself around and, and, and follow uh, the Lord. But uh, I'll, I'll give you a spoiler alert. It doesn't really happen. But <laughs> we can see this interaction here and in, in uh, how, how Elijah kind of navigates through this season because a, a drought doesn't just affect King Ahab. It, king, it, it affects the entire nation of Israel, right? So, so this is where we're going to start. First Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 1, and we'll go all the way to about halfway. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll land at verse 16. 
And uh, it'll always be on the screen. Yes, always on the screen behind me, of course. All right, let's start in uh, verse, seven, or verse 1 of chapter 17. It says this, Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, this is his introduction, by the way. This is all we know about Elijah. It's just, he's from Tishbe. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, uh, told, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord God of Israel, the God I serve, um, lives, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Bold. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by the Kareth brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat, from, eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did just as the Lord told him and camped beside the Kareth brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath, and he arrived at the gates of the village and saw a widow gathering sticks and asked her, Would you please help me? Or, I'm sorry, would you please, please bring me a cup of water? As she was going to get it, he called to her again and said, Bring me a bite of food, too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then me and my son were going to die. But Elijah said to her, no, 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 don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you have said, but make a little bread for me first, and then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and for your son. Now, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will, all, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the, time, until the time when the Lord sends the rain on the crops to grow again. So she did just as Elijah said, and, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many, many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. I, I, love, this, I love this story. I love this story because it's, it's so... It's, it's, such a, it's such a beautiful uh, depiction of how we can trust God, right? Th this is what we're going to talk about today. How, how, how can we trust God? How can we trust his provision? How can we trust that he is going to come through just as he says he will? And, and, and um, if, if you're taking notes today, I want to I talk to us from the idea uh, that if you give God what you have, God will give us what we need. So, so if you're taking notes today, I want to give you this title, and it's from the, the, the words of the prophetess uh, um, Elsa of Arendelle. Uh, <clears throat> ready? <laughs> Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Help me introduce this sermon title to, to your neighbor this morning. Elbow him right, right really in the, in the rib cage to say, hey, neighbor. Hello. I can see you. Go ahead. Do it. Hey, neighbor. Hey, let it go, man. Let it go, brother. Maybe tell your spouse, the, the one you argued with on the way here, hey, just let it go. It's fine. It's done. Just let it go. It, it, needs, to be, it needs to be dropped, all right? <laughs> Been holding on for far too long. Let it go. This is what I want to talk about today. I, I want to talk about our, how, how can we trust God? How can we trust his provision? How can we let things go? How can we, uh, we're, we're so focused all the time on holding on to everything that we can and, and we wonder why our life is a mess. It's because the one who created life is not in charge. It's not in the driver's seat. 
Um, so, so today I, I want us to really understand this concept of letting things go. So let's pray. Let's pray together and uh, we'll, we'll dive right in. So thank you, Jesus, for this incredible day. Thank you so much for this, um, for the AC units and uh, for air conditioning, really. God, thank you so much. This, you have really created us for such a time as this. And uh, we're so grateful, more than you know. Uh, that's not true. Anyways, uh, but thank you for, for AC. Thank you for every, everything that you do in our lives. And I just pray you would speak to us this morning and uh, have your way in this place as we dive into your word, we dive into your scriptures and, and see what you want us to see out of this and how we can take uh, this story and, and, and apply it into our own. And how can we can trust you more uh, with our lives and, and everything in it? God, we love you. We praise you. Pray that you speak to us this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, all the church said, amen. 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 Um, don't raise your hands, but does anybody know like a, a hoarder? Like, they, maybe not like a definition of one, but like, eh, you would probably consider them one. Don't raise your hands, because they might be here, okay? <laughs> um, Sorter, you know, like someone that like just keeps everything. You know who I'm talking about? They keep everything from 1962, because you never know when you're going to need it, right? <laughs> I, um, when I was a kid, I wasn't born in 1962, obviously, uh, when I was a kid, I used to, I was probably borderline a hoarder uh, with my toys. I loved all my toys. And the problem with me is I care too much. Sue me, right? And I, I care too much, and I named all these toys, and everyone had a name. So you can't just, you know, uh, sit over here with, with Toby and, and neglect Pooh down to the, to the, you know, either to the closet or, or down to the basement, right? You know, they, they're all, we all have history here together, you know? So this was my problem. I just cared too much. Yeah, it's, it's my character flaw. What are you going to do? And so <laughs> I, I just, I had so many toys all the time. And my mom can attest to this because it, it was ridiculous. But I had, and my sister too, I had so many toys like in my room, I, you could not see the carpet. This is legitimate. Like, it's not like, oh yeah, there's a lot of toys scattered on the ground. No, literally, I'm not exaggerating. You could not see the carpet at all. In fact, I don't even remember what color it is. That's how long it was <laughs> because I couldn't see the carpet. And, and so what, what I... Um, what I would do is I, just, I had toys just stashed everywhere, probably inches high, uh, with stuffed animals, Legos. Um, I had this huge air, plastic aircraft carrier that I thought was so cool with metal planes, and I stepped on it once, and that really hurt. Um, but that was probably worse than Legos. But I just had all this stuff everywhere because I just couldn't get rid of it because I just I loved everything, everything you know? I was like, you never know when you're going to play with these toys. You, you just never know. And I remember... Um, my mom was like, you've got to clean your room. You've got to get rid of some of these or put them in the basement or put them in your closet or just stack them up somewhere. I don't care. Just you, you've got to. This is ridiculous. You have to clean your room. And so I, I'll never forget. I, I created like little paths to like, 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 um, like, um, like uh, pavers almost of carpet. So where like you, you open the door and then you can step here and then you step here <laughs> all the way to the bed and then all the way to the closet. And she's like, that's not going to work. And so finally I just scooted everything to the side and I had a, a small skinny path to the, to the bed and to the closet and to the door. Like hoarders do. They have, you know, like these, these giant stacks of, of skinny hallways inside their larger hallways because they have so much stuff. That was me. I had a ton of stuff and it, it was, I just, I couldn't find myself to, to, um, to just let it go. I, I just, I had to, to hold on to it because you never know when you're going to play with it again. You never know when you're going to need it. And, and certainly you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, especially Winnie the Pooh. Like, come on, he, he didn't, I don't want to hurt his feelings by putting him in the basement. 
And uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I blame my parents actually for letting me have that. They, they should have stepped in as parents saying, you know what? No, we're getting rid of some of these. Um, <laughs> but but you, you know what I'm talking about? You know those kind of people, they just hold on to everything. Um, does anyone else do this? You can raise your hands now. Uh, do you keep cardboard boxes for no reason? Like when you buy a TV or, or like a piece of furniture, you just keep it. You're like, I don't know, I might need it. Like, no, <laughs> you don't need it. I remember I, I, we, when I bought my house, I, 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 um, I got a huge like refund or whatever. And I was like, I'll, I'll buy a huge TV. And that's what I did. And I kept the box for like two years. It was in the garage. It was just taking up space. I was like, I don't know, I, I might need it. It's just like I, this, this mindset we get in of, ah, maybe, I just, I can't seem to let it go. I can't seem to let it go. Now all the cardboard boxes end up in my garage and Stephanie just throws everything in there and she just like, deal with it, that's fine. Um, but it, we just can't seem to let it go. Um, there's a story, well, not a, it was a true story. Uh, Michael Jordan, if anybody's into basketball, um, his, his, he was a rookie and, and his first six seasons of playing basketball, he didn't win a single championship. And he, he was throwing up incredible numbers, incredible scoring numbers. I mean, he was, he was the real deal. He was the talk of the town playing for the Chicago Bulls back in the 80s. And, and for, for some reason, as good as he was, he just couldn't get the championships. He couldn't win the games. And, 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 and he was just tiring himself out trying game after game after game to, to get to the championships. But for some reason, it just didn't happen. Until uh, 1980 uh, something, I didn't write it down. I wasn't born. This is all research in Space Jam. So it's, I wasn't born back when Michael Jordan was a thing. I don't know. I just I remember it like when people talked about it, but I don't actually know like firsthand. Um, <laughs> some it's, in the 80s, sometime Phil Jackson, the the coach for the Chicago, like one of the greatest coaches in the world, came to the Chicago Bulls and he told superstar Michael Jordan. He said, Hey. You gotta, you gotta pass the ball more. You gotta let go of the ball more. And he implemented this, this, um, this triangle offense and this, this play call that, that made the team pass the ball much more than they were currently, including Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, better than LeBron, just saying, the greatest basketball player of all time. He told the superstar to pass the ball more, to give, of, give up the ball more. And you know what happened is they went on to be some of the, one of the greatest NBA basketball teams of all time, winning six championships and, and, um, and uh, just like being, the, it was the Chicago Bulls, you know? And so it's all because Michael Jordan let go of the ball more. He passed the ball. He, he didn't hold on to it as much. And, and I think a lot of the, and maybe you don't play basketball, but maybe we can get in this mindset a little bit and, and try to understand a lot of the time, we just have this, 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 this existential fear of letting go. You know what I'm talking about? It's like fear of letting go. Fear of, of maybe just missing out on something because I let go of it. Or, or, or you know, maybe fear of, of missing the, the game-winning basket because I let go of it. Michael Jordan did that, actually. He passed the ball once, and uh, within the last few seconds of the game, and gave it to somebody else. They won the game. They got the game winner. It's this, this fear of, of letting go, and I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle with this, this fear of letting go. In different areas of my life, you know, when it comes to, to money, we have a fear of letting go. When it comes to time, we have a fear of letting go. When it comes to energy, we have a fear of letting go. When it comes to our possessions and things that we own, we have a fear of letting them go sometimes. We have this natural tendency to hang on to everything that we have 
as long as we can and never let go because for some reason we've convinced ourselves that, the, ourselves that the more stuff that we can hold on to, the better quality of life that we'll have. And so we've, we've trained our brains and we've trained our mindsets to, to think, oh, if I just get it all, then I'll be happy. If I, if I get it all, then I'll be successful. If I get it all, then I'll have a great marriage. If I get it all, if I get it all, if I just get it all and don't let anything go. So we go around trying our best to collect everything that we can. And, and it's this fear of letting go stems from the, the fear of what happens if I don't have it and I need it. What happens if I don't have it and I need it? And, and, and so, so, you know, we, we fear needing it one day, so we'll never let it go and we'll never stop chasing after it, whatever that it is in our lives. And because this is how our minds work. We think we know best. You know, we, we think we, 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 have, we know what we have. We know how to use it best to do what we want to do, right? And so if you've been a Christian for a little bit, which I think most of us have. If you've been a Christian, even for just a, a few weeks, you, you already know that the, the, this, this, this idea of, of generosity and giving and letting things go is kind of a common practice within Christian realms, right? You know, and, and you know, like, um, you know, Bible verses, like, like in Acts, is more blessed to give than receive. You've heard this before. Or, or God loves a cheerful giver. Pastors love to preach that um, right before they take up the offering. You know what I mean? God loves a cheerful giver. Don't forget to do good and share with those in need, Hebrews 13. Um, this one you may not have known was in, you may not have known was in there. Uh, give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. You don't believe me? It's in there. It's in Luke. It's in Luke chapter six. But you know these 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 Bible verses that we we read. You know, uh, and it's it's it's. It's ingrained within the Christian culture and who Jesus was to let things go, be generous and give and, and all this stuff. And, you know, it's, 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 it's almost um, expected of us, right? It's almost expected of us, right, to let things go to give. And uh, let's just be honest, it's, it's much easier to give when we have an abundance of what we're giving. It's much easier to, to give a lot of money when I have a lot of money, Right? It's much easier to give you some of my time if I've got a lot of extra free time. It's much easier to give you a lot of my energy if I've had three Red Bulls before I talk to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's much easier to give out of abundance. And, and all that is great. Now, you know, it's, 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 I think it's awesome when we, are, when we give out of abundance and we share the gift that God has given us. I don't think that abundance is a bad thing or having a lot of um, resources is necessarily a bad thing. I think God gifts us these things sometimes. God is, is good in, in, in how he gives us gifts. And so uh, thank you for sharing in that gift and that abundance. But uh, I, I, there's going to come a time, and I promise you this, there's going to become a time where Jesus is going to ask you to give something that you don't have a lot of. Maybe it's patience. Ooh. <laughs> and Jesus is going to give you or ask you to give something up that you don't have in abundance of. He's going to ask you to let go of something you don't have a lot of. He might ask you to step outside of your comfort zone when you really, really just don't want to and, and do something ridiculous and, and ask, you give up, ask you to give up something that you might need and ask you to give up your pride, give up your, your plans. He might ask you to give up these things, especially if we don't have a lot of them. That is what makes it really, really, really tough. And it's one thing to give out of abundance, but it's another thing to give out of absence. And I can promise you this, God is going, there is going to come a time where God is going to ask you to give something 
of yours out of abundance and out of absence. So we read the story like we did with, you know, uh, with, with Elijah and the Zarephath woman, and we, we see that this woman had, had nothing but a little bit of bread for her, her and her son. She had nothing, and she was getting ready. She was getting ready to eat this bread, make this meal, and die. <laughs> That's what we, we meet her. She's, she's picking up sticks, and she's going to make a fire, and she's going to make bread, and she told Elijah, she's like, yep, this is what I've got left, and we're just going to eat it. We're just going to die. And very, very hopeful, you know. But um, so, so this, is, this is where we are introduced to this woman. And Elijah has the audacity to waltz right up to her and ask her for that last meal. Ask her to share some of that last meal, something she doesn't have a whole lot of. I mean, do we realize how radical and ridiculous this request is, right? You know, remember, Elijah went to King Ahab and told him there was going to be a drought, told him there was going to be a drought, and until he heard the word of the Lord that there wasn't going to be. Elijah didn't know how long that was going to be. King Ahab didn't know how long that was going to be. We can read on and find out later in chapter 18, there was three and a half years of this drought. And just to give you some context, 2020 was two and a half years ago. Which, which seems like forever, right? So, so imagine us not having rain that entire time and then going another year, but living today as in, I don't know, this might be it, this might not be it. And that's how the people live. That's how the people, you know, they prepared their, what they were doing that day based on if there was a cloud in the sky or not. If they have to be resourceful, if they have to be frugal or not, if, you know, are we looking, everyone's looking for a cloud in the sky and not, not today, today's not it. So, so there, there's this, you know, this, this awful drought, a, a really a big deal of a drought going on here. And, and you know, I think sometimes we um, <clears throat> don't necessarily understand the, uh, the severity of, of, of weather conditions like this. I mean, this is a drought and a lot of the time we just think, oh yeah, no umbrellas, like no big deal, that's fine. Um, or, you know, for me, I love the rain. So I'm like, ah, oh, man, that's, that's darn, that's too bad. But we don't, what we don't understand is, is that um, a drought affects everything. This is the Middle East. It's hot, okay? It's really hot. Hotter than it is here. I know it's hard to imagine. But the Middle East, and so there's, there's dust everywhere. And so without, without the rain, it, it's, 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 it's dusty and it's windy and, and it, things are just blowing all over the place. And actually, you're more um, prone to get sick when there's a drought because uh, the bugs and, um, and like parasites and stuff, they're, they're looking in places they wouldn't normally look um, in like villages and towns and stuff to, to find moisture, to find water. Same with predators and, and wild animals. They're, they're going all over the place to try to find water. And so they come up to and they come up to a village and something, they see a bunch of people, you know, it's like, well, I'll just, I'll get them sick or I'll, you know, try to attack them or whatever. So, I mean, there, there's, it affects a lot of things. And, you know, we think crops too, um, plants and crops, what are the three main ingredients you need for, to, to grow something? It's, it's sunlight, uh, soil, and saturation, water, right? So, so you're missing two thirds of the, the ability to grow crops. And so now you can't grow anything. You can't grow wheat. You can't grow corn, nothing like that. You can't grow anything. Anything. And so <clears throat> while it may just seem like it's not raining for a little bit, this affects everything. And the, the, entire, uh, the entire nation of Israel is going through this, this, um, this, this really tough season in life. And so it's, uh, and, and it's just, it's, it's really, it's more, than, it's more than just a few sunny days. This is a big deal. And I love that, that God uses, um, I love that God uses a drought to, to demonstrate his power and his might and his authority because King Ahab uh, worshipped the god Baal and Baal was the god of fertility and rain. (laughs) 
Ba- so they prayed to Baal to make it rain. And God said, I guess I'll shut the heavens up so you know who the real God is. And, and I, if I were King Ahab, and just putting myself in his shoes, if I were King Ahab and some, some random dude came up to me and was like, hey, my God said uh, that there's not going to be any more rain. Um, and if, if I was Ahab and I worshiped this God and, and this guy's God is more powerful than my God, then maybe my God's not necessarily worth my worship if this God can overpower. Maybe I should reconsider the, and this is the, maybe the thought process Ahab is going through. And, and we'll, we'll, you know, there, later on in chapter 18, there's this big duel against uh, the real God and, and the, the fake God, Baal. And, and it's, it's an awesome story. But, you know, maybe, maybe Ahab's God isn't worthy of his worship if, if the God of Israel can overtake his God and overpower his God. And, you know, but, but thank God that our God is the one true God, the, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of all living things, the, the ones who can shut the heavens up or open them wide open and make it rain and, and he can do anything. He, he controls the weather. He can do it all. He has authority over it all. Thank God that that's the God that we serve. But, but the, the people are, are going through this drought, this, this dry season and we know it's three and a half years. They just know it's today and they don't know when it's going to end. They don't know if, if tomorrow it's going to end or 10 years down the road it's going to end. They don't even know if it's going to end at all. It might be the end of them first. But, but what we have to realize is, is, you know, in chapter 18, we know that it's three and a half years. But in chapter 17, it's, it's a really long chapter. And so people are going day by day by day. They don't know what to expect. And, and so, so trials and tribulations are what people are going through right now. It, it, it tends to create a sense of urgency to hold on to what you've got. Right? When, when there's a, a scarcity of resources and, and there's uh, like toilet paper, remember this? Remember this? Uh, toilet paper, how many, I mean, don't raise your hands, but we were scarce with that stuff, weren't we? We were like, we don't know if we're going to get another roll or not. <laughs> this is how it was in the drought. They were, they were holding on to everything that they had because you never know when you're going to need it. So in a drought, you want to be smart. You don't want to take a three-hour shower. You don't want to leave the water running while you're brushing your teeth. You don't want to eat till you're overfilled, you know, in a drought. You want to be smart. You want to be frugal. And our friend, this woman from Zarephath, she was, she was frugal. She held on to what she had for as long as she could with no rain and no crops. Eventually, she was running out. And I imagine each and every morning she was getting ready to leave the house and saw the, the, the oil and the flour run lower and lower and lower and lower each day until the day that Elijah meets her. And she is thinking, this is all that I've got. This must be the end. And, you know, and some scholars believe, too, that Elijah was able to identify this woman um, as, the, as the widow that God was talking about because she was still dressed in her mourning clothes, uh, mourning with a U. Um, <clears throat> she had just lost her husband, a lot of people think. So not only is she going through this terrible drought and she's, gotta, you know, she's got to take care of her, her son and take care of herself, but she also just lost her husband, too. I mean, all of this is just coming down on her all at once. And then she meets this man who's like, hey, can I get some food? (laughs) 
I don't know about you, but when I'm going through some stuff, I don't really feel like I'm in the giving mood all that much, you know? <laughs> I don't really feel like a whole lot of generosity. But, but so I understand the hesitation from, this, from the woman. And, and uh, you know, she, she tells Elijah the reality of the situation. This, this is all she's got. This is all she's got. Of course, she's got a fear of letting go what she's got because this is all she has. She's going to make this for a son and her, and she's going to die because this is all it is. And, and Elijah says, look, okay, I get that, but the God of Israel told me to tell you to give me some of that and you'll be taken care of. Now, <clears throat> I, I just like to put myself in, in, in her shoes for a moment too. Um, droughts are crazy and desperate times call for desperate measures, right? So this random man I've never met before tells me he is a prophet from the Lord. He speaks to God and he's like, hey, give me some of your food and you'll be fine. Well, that, <laughs> that doesn't really add up. And how do I know that you're not just saying this just to get some food and then I'll never see you again because I'm going to be dead, you know? You're just passing by. You do this to everybody, right? How, how do I know this is legit? The, the math doesn't add up here. If I give, how am I going to have more? That, that doesn't make any sense. But, but she, she trusts him. She trusts him. And I think that is radically cool because we don't really see a whole lot of detail in here, but, but I, I like to think that, you know, when, when, when the spirit of the Lord is on somebody, when the anointing of the Lord is on somebody, you, you can tell. They, they shift the atmosphere when, when they walk into the room. They speak with authority. They speak with love. They speak on behalf of the Lord. Something in her soul probably was like, uh, there's something here. I feel like I'm close to my creator. There's, I, I've got to trust this guy. Maybe he's legit. What happens if, he's, if he is legit? And so that's what, exactly what she did. And just like Elijah said, her supplies never ran low and her needs were always met. So I need you to hear this today. If you give God what you have, God will give you what you need. If you give God what you have, God will give you what you need. <clears throat> and I love this <laughs> because <clears throat> God's math makes no sense. <laughs> Um, God's math makes absolutely no sense. How, how can I let go of something, of what I need? How can I let go of what I need and still have what I need in my possession? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. And uh, it, 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 it doesn't make sense. I, if you're expecting an answer from me, pff, I ain't got one. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But thankfully, we don't have to understand a blessing to, ha to receive it, right? So while it may never make sense to us how God does it, what we do know is that God will do it. God will provide. God always provides. I love what David wrote in Psalm 34, um, starting in verse 9 and 10. It says, Fear the Lord, you his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes will go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. I'll read that again. Fear the Lord, you godly, for you, you his godly people. And that, that just means reverence the Lord, obey, the, honor the Lord. Um, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. And that's really what it comes down to, to it, isn't it, is, is trust. There was no guarantee. Elijah didn't offer her some sort of guarantee that this is legit, you know. It, it, it wasn't, there was no contract signed. There was no backup plan with this, if this man was lying and he was just going to go off and do his own thing again to some other uh, vulnerable woman. But, but she, she, she gave him all she had on this whim that he might actually be telling the truth. 
And, and when we let go of what we're holding on to, especially if we don't have much, there's this shift in trust. It's this transition in trust. And, and, and it's our, it's our shuff, um, trust, I can't talk. It's our trust shifting from trusting what we have and trusting ourselves to how to use it and trusting God to take it and to take care of us. That's the shift in trust. When we give God something, we're saying, I, I no longer trust what I have. I no longer trust in what I have. I no longer trust how I can use it, but I now trust God with it, and I trust that God will take care of me. And a lot of the time, I, I think we, we, um, we trust in material things way too often, <laughs> way too often. Um, and money is a big one because with money, I mean, you could pretty much do anything, mostly everything you need, and mostly it all revolves around currency, right? So, so you know, with money, you can afford to pay your house. With money, you can uh, pay your car. You can uh, get Burger King and McDonald's and all that good, healthy, godly food. And, you know, provision, of course, from the, from the Lord, Taco Bell. And, uh, you know, you pay your bills and everything with, with money, right? So, so we, we get that, and, and the... the we, we just trust in the money. It's almost as if we worship the God money more than we worship God with our money. And so when I, when I say that we, we, trust, we, we trust God with our money and we let go of our money, just using this as an example, that doesn't mean I'm not saying give it all to the church. Not what I'm saying. We'd appreciate it, but that, that's not what I'm saying, all right? So I'm not telling you to give everything to the church, but when I'm saying when we let go of it to God, he, and allow him to um, empower us to use it in different ways. That, that is one way we can um, give it to the Lord, and, and he can use it for provision, right? He can use it for, um, for providing for somebody else. So when I say let go of our money, it doesn't mean just throw it in the trash. Don't do that. <laughs> it doesn't mean give it all to the church unless you want to, unless God's telling you, you know? But, but the, woman, the, the, the widow, she, she, she trusted in those jars to take care of her, and at one point, she had to make the decision where instead of trusting in the jars, she had to trust in the God who would always keep the jars full. And that's, that's the, the shift in trust. And it's easy for us to look at the Zarephath woman sometimes. I've got my handy-dandy jar of flour here. There's not much in it. And it's easy for us to, to, to look at the, the, the Zarephath woman sometimes and, you know, and say, we've got, this, we've got this little jar of flour. This is all I've got. This is all I have. And, you know, maybe this represents money, like we were talking about. Maybe you don't have a lot, but it's all you've got. So you've got to hold on to it. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe, this, is your, maybe this is your job. I, I, look, this is all I've got, man. I've got to hold on to it. Your family, I've got, I've got to hold on to it. I'm not letting it go. Maybe, maybe this is your, your comfortability. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to step out of my comfort zone. No, no, no. I, this is my safe space. This is all I have. I can't let this go. It's not much, but this is all I have. Your time, your, your, your energy, your own plans. Ooh, this is a good one. This is, this is my plan for my life. I, I'm not letting it go. I've got to hold on to it. I've got to hang tight. I can't, I can't let it go. And I, this, is, this is what's going to carry me through. And it's interesting that we'll, we'll fight so hard to keep this. <laughs> you see how much is in here, right? It's not a lot. We will fight tooth and nail against God sometimes to, to keep what? To keep our little bit of our little bit of 
provision. This is, this is how I can live, right? We'll fight so hard against God to keep this on us. And, and so, so when, when Jesus comes along the way and he says, hey, I need you to, to give this to me and trust in me. We're like, no, no, this is, this is mine. This is, this is, and it becomes so hard because this is all we've got. It becomes so hard because we don't have a whole lot to give. When Jesus asks for it all, well, that puts us in a really tough spot. Because what if? We can ask the what ifs. What if he doesn't come through? What if he doesn't provide? What, what if I lose this? I've worked so hard for this. It's easy to look at this Zarephath woman and, and really find ourselves a whole lot of the time. We can come up with a million reasons why we can hold on to things and not give them over to the Lord. And I can promise you not a single one of them is a good one. <laughs> but it's a beautiful thing that happens when we, when we let go. It's a beautiful thing that happens when we let go. When we say we, we finally are convinced that God is going to provide. And gosh, maybe we're not even convinced of that yet. But we know that God is calling us to give and give up what we're holding so dearly to. It's a beautiful thing that happens when we say, all right, God, here's my time, my money, my, my plans, my patience. Here's, here's my, my family, my job. Here it is in this jar. It's not a lot, but here it is. And instead of holding on to it, we give it to God. It's a beautiful thing that happens because now our hands are open and we're able to receive the provision that God has for us. Does that make sense? When we're holding on to this, our hands are closed. We're holding on to, 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 to what we think will provide, and we, we trust ourselves more than we trust God to, to use it properly and, and to provide for us. And we're holding on to it like this. Our, our hands are closed. We can't receive what God wants for us. But when we say, all right, God, I surrender this to you. I surrender my finances now. God is going to take care of me financially. It's a beautiful thing that happens when we're able to open our hands, open our, our, our hearts, and open our spirit to whatever God wants to do in us because we let it go. Don't let a little flower get in the way of you trusting our big God. Don't let a little of something get in the way of trusting our big God. Give God what you have. He'll give you what you need. There's this beautiful um, story my mom has. It's, it's her, her te part of her testimony. It's incredible. And when, when her and my dad uh, went through this divorce, it affected everybody, right, the whole family. And it was, it was not good. It was awful. And I'll never forget, uh, you know, it was... You're, you've got my mom who she's trying to raise two kids and she's got a whole house and, and she's got, you know, um, all, the, all these bills and different things and all that stuff and stuff that I didn't even know existed till I moved out. You know, it's like, really, another bill for this? Gosh. And, uh, and so that was hard enough on two incomes. But then now she's moved down to one. It was really tough for a really long season. And I'll never forget, she, she told me this a few years later, she said, you know, I, I didn't have a whole lot. We had to, you know, cancel TV, which I thought was the worst thing in the world as a, you know, young kid. We had to cancel all these nice things that we had because we were just trying to get by, you know. And uh, she went to church one day, and she, didn't, she knew this was all I've got. She's got a bill coming out tomorrow. It's like 100 bucks. 
And this is literally, she has $100 to her name right now. And she felt the Lord say, I want you to give it. I want you to give it. She said, what? This is all I have. I think it was the electric bill. She said, this is all I've got. If, if I don't pay this, we're not going to have power, and that can cause a whole slew of problems, and the fee to turn it back on, you know? She said, God said to give it. Trust I'll take care of you. And so she did. The offering plate came around, and she had the exact money for that bill she needed. She put it in the offering plate. She said, all right, God, it's in your hands. It was a Wednesday night. And she got home. She didn't tell anybody this. We weren't very open about all this stuff. And she got home. There was an envelope on the door with the exact amount to the dime what she needed. Again, she didn't tell anybody any of this. So, So... this is just a, an incredible testament. Not, not that I'm saying, give all your money to the church and, and you know, all your needs are going to be provided. I'm not saying that unless God tells you to. But what I am saying is, is, is don't hold on to your flower. Don't hold on to your jar so much. You miss out on trusting God for an incredible miracle in your life. That's part of her story, and it's, it's part of mine too. Give God what you have, and he'll give you what you need. And here's the thing about provision. Leslie, you can come on up. I missed my cue. I don't even want to told you anymore. I don't. <laughs> here's the thing about provision. It's a little sticky. Um, it's not always glamorous, right? God, God's provision doesn't always look like what we wanted it to look like. I mean, it'd be awesome if my mom gave that 100 bucks. She got home and there was a check for a million dollars on the door, right? Like, oh, that's the favor of God, right? Or she comes home to a Cadillac Escalade in the, in the, in the driveway, you know? That'd be, that'd be awesome. But it's, God's provision isn't always what we think it looks like. And we can't be picky with how God provides. That's a good word right there. You need to write that down. You can't be picky with how God provides. There's this, this story of this man in this small town. Hello. There's a story of this man in this small town. It's the heat. <laughs> Getting the tape off. Anyways, the, there's this man, the story of a man in the small town and uh, the National Weather Service says, hey, there's going to be a huge flood coming through your, through your area. And, and, he's, and he's like, oh, no, this is, this is bad news. And so sure enough, the flood comes. And so he climbs up on the roof because the flood waters, I mean, they're really coming. He says, oh, God, save me, save me. And he's up on the roof and he's like, God, I just, I need your help. I need your, your, I need your guidance. Just save me, God. And a man in a canoe comes by and he says, hey, man, hop in. The guy on the roof says, no, 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 I'm waiting. God's going to save me. God's going to save me. The guy on the canoe goes on by. There's a guy in a, in a, in a, in a, a pontoon boat that comes by. As, as the waters are rising, pontoon boat comes by. He says, hey, hey, climb on the boat. The man on the roof says, no, 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 God's going to save me. God's going to save me. He goes on by. And finally, the waters, I mean, they're, they're at his ankles, and he's, he's standing on the crest of the roof, and there's no other option. There's nowhere else he can go. And a helicopter comes out, lowers down a ladder and says, hey, climb aboard, come on, get on. The guy says, no, 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 thanks. God's gonna save me. And so a helicopter flies away and the waters come up. He drowns and dies and goes to heaven. And he talks to God and, and he says, God, why didn't you save me? God said, well, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What more do you want? 
<laughs> it's a silly story, but it's a bit sobering too because I think sometimes we're a little too narrow-minded in the way that we see God providing for us, yes? I think we're a little too narrow-minded sometimes and, and, and we overlook the blessings, we overlook the provision in our lives just because it's not the way that we think it should look. We put God in this, in this box and we say, all right, God, you operate within these parameters and that's exactly what you're gonna do. And, and God is so much bigger than the box we could put him in and he does something outside of the box and we're like, well, well that doesn't, doesn't make any sense. What? This isn't providing for me. And, and you know, if, if we're too good for God's method of provision, then I think that we still have some things that we need to let go of. If we're too good for God's provision, then I think we still have some things that we can let go of. I know your $500 car is a turd and it smells like really bad and it burns more oil, burns more oil than it does gas. I get it, but it's gotten you to po from point A to point B every single time. It's gotten you more is taking you further than your feet have, and it's still running, you know? I, I, I know that your job is, it's your, your boss is just really hammering down on you at work right now. This is the job you prayed for three years ago, that God got you. So I think sometimes we need to shift our eyes a little bit and say, okay, maybe God's provision isn't necessarily the way I think it should look, but it's still there. There's, even though, um, even though God is, is so good to us when we trust him, um, that, that doesn't mean that his provision always looks the greatest to us. And I'll, I'll, I'll finish up with this, this story real quick. Um, you know, the Israelites, when they, uh, when they were in Egypt, they were enslaved in Egypt and God used Moses to take them out, you know, split the Red Sea, walk on the dry land and they're in the wilderness now. Yay, they're out of slavery, right? And it was, what, did the, what was the first thing they did as soon as they got across the Red Sea? The Israelites, they complained. <laughs> it's hot out here. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Wah. At least back in Egypt, we were fed. At least back in Egypt, we had some water. That's the first thing they did, they complained. So, so God gave them manna from the heavens, manna from the sky, which was, which was it, came, it came down every morning. And, it, it, and, and God said, all right, take exactly what you need, nothing more. Exactly what you need, nothing more. Some people took exactly what they need, some people took more. And the stuff, or the people that took more ended up rotting and getting worms and stuff in it. So you know, God, God said, uh, take exactly what you need. They did the, God did this every single day, every single day. Every morning they could go out and look and say, wow, God's provided me for me today. That's where the term daily bread comes in. God is providing me for me this morning for the day. Not, not all week long, but, but just for today. That's all we got to worry about is just today. And it's not long after that too. And in numbers, they start to complain about that. They say, oh man, in Egypt, you know, we had these melons and we had all these other things, cucumbers. Now we're just out here in the wilderness with these, ah, this manna. Oh, this, I'm so sick and tired of this manna. How quickly we, how quickly we have the wrong perspective about God's provision just because it's not the way we want it to be. And Elijah himself, before he met the, the widow in Zarephath, he, he was provided how? Through ravens bringing him bread and meat each, each day. You know, ravens are disgusting, right? 
they're dirty birds. If anything, you know, you would think, oh, God will send a dove. Now I sent a raven. <laughs> but he gave Elijah exactly what he needed. He said, drink from this brook. It's exactly what you need. Eventually the brook dried up. Sometimes it comes in seasons, but God's provision's always there. It was just in a different location. Elijah just had to be obedient to and respond to the call of God on his life. So it's, it's not always glamorous, but if we trust God with what we have, God will give us exactly what we need, exactly what we need. We're never going to run out. If I can encourage you today, place your trust in Jesus, you won't run out. You won't run out. Trust, you, trust Jesus with your life, with your life that you have, you're holding on to, trying to control so much. You wonder why it's failing. Trust Jesus with your life. You'll never run out. He offers abundant life. He offers eternal life. We can drink from the, water, from the, from the river that never runs dry with Jesus. He, is, he gives us always exactly what we need. It may not be glamorous, but it's, it's what we need. So if I can encourage you today, and I'll, I'll close, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> we need to have a posture of letting things go, opening our hands and trusting God with the results. Ultimately, God gave us what we have as it is anyways, right? So we need to trust him with the little bit that we have. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, he's gonna take care of you each and every single time. He's never gonna leave you dry. He's never gonna abandon you. He's never gonna forsake you. He's never going to, uh, he's, he's never going to leave you if we trust him with our lives. We have to trust So let's, let's jump on our feet. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. This is it. If we trust Jesus with our daily bread, we wake up every morning and say, all right, I'm going to trust this day. I'm going to trust you with this day, with the little bit that I have. It's not much, but it's all I got. I'm going to trust you with it. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't, worry, I don't have to worry about 10 years down the road. God's got it covered. So if I can instill anything in you today, we serve a really, really big God. We serve an unlimited God. We serve an enormous God who did everything and gave everything to be with us because he loves us that much. He wants to provide for us. He wants to show us that we can trust him. And, 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 and maybe it doesn't look like you give him everything all at once. I get that there are, we all have reserves and every, everybody takes a different stride of a step. But what I do wanna encourage you to do moving forward from here is just give him a little bit of a step, at least. You say, I trust you with just this. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
If you trust him with a little, I promise you're gonna see, wow, he is good. We can trust him with more and trust him with more and trust him with more and more and more. He's gonna provide. We're never gonna run out. We're gonna be taken care of. And I think that is a message we need to hear in this day and age today in the world that we live in. It's a mess out there. (laughs) You know this, I don't have to tell you. But I can tell you this, we're gonna be all right. With God, we will be just fine. He's gonna take care of us. All right, let me pray over us. Like I said, I'm done. We're getting out. We can go to the buffet, okay? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for this incredible day. Thank you so much for this story of of this woman who, in, 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 in huge amounts of faith, steps out and says, I trust you, God. I trust you with this little this last meal that I have, ultimately my life. God, I pray that we can take the example of this woman and be just like her and say, God, I give you every little bit that I have. I pray you would empower us to let go of our jars today and open our hands and open our hearts. Let us embrace you and embrace your provision each and every single day. God, we give it to you because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We don't have to worry We don't have to stress about it. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to have this huge elaborate plan of how we're gonna make it work. We just gotta give it to you. So God, I pray you give us the, the ability to do that today and empower us to do such. God, I pray you protect us as we go out into this crazy world we live in. Allow us to be world changers and atmosphere changers in every place that we step into because your spirit is with us. Your presence is with us. Your anointing is on us. And as we trust you with the things that we own, I I pray that we trust you with the spiritual things too, acting on things that eh, might just sound like a whisper at sometimes, but doing it in faith and doing it in trust. We know it's impossible to please you without faith. So pray that you would give us this faith. Let us see for our own eyes that we can trust you. If you're here today and you're contemplating maybe trusting Jesus with your life, I really want to encourage you to make that step today. I can promise you I can promise you life is, your, your life is going to be so fulfilling and rich and abundant because of Jesus that's in it. It's not necessarily going to be easy, but it's going to be so, so good, so, so rewarding and so fulfilling. If that's you here today, I, I don't want you to leave without making that decision. I don't want you to leave without saying, Jesus, I, I, I trust you. Maybe not with everything yet, but just with a little. And I want to encourage you to make that step towards him today. Like I said, everybody's got a different stride. 
but as long as we're heading in his direction, that's all he wants. He wants your heart today. He wants your heart. So God, thank you so much for this, for this day we get to share and this place we get to be in. Keep us safe and keep our, keep our, um, keep our energy high, keep our excitement high and our passion high to keep moving forward the kingdom and seeking first your kingdom, knowing fully that we're gonna be taken care of. God, we love you, we praise you, we give you all of who we are today in this place. From this day forward, we're all yours. We're all yours. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. We pray that God has used this message to speak to you and to show you how much He loves you. And if God has shown you something incredible, we want to hear about it. Please send us an email to hello at afreshchurch.com. And if you want to partner with us financially to help our ministry spread the good news of Jesus' love for all people, you can do so at afreshchurch.com give. Every dollar we receive goes back to loving people into a relationship with Jesus. We want to encourage you to go out and live life with the one who gives life because it's so much better when we do it with Jesus. Thank you.